0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com. Let me just do like this. All right, there we go. That uh, was fucking terrible. It's all I got. I got. Uh, welcome to a special edition of Axe to Grind. An addendum. Uh, ad- yeah, it's an addendum. Uh, that's an additional component for those of you that uh, d- didn't take Latin. Uh, I'm Patrick.
1: And I'm Tom, and these are our friends throughout Brooklyn and New Jersey Shore. Um, we have David David Castillo, who's been on the podcast before. Hello, gentlemen. Nice to see you again. Sort of. Sort of, yeah. Kind of see Pat. We have Artie Shepard, who created Long Island Hardcore and all the bands <laughs> like now all deserve, they got to give him some money.
2: DePoyo. <laughs> created, created. That's, that's all a big word, I
3: like it, Tom. Run it's with
1: it.
2: Uh, you, Tom, you, know what it you know what Reynolds. it is, dude. What it's happened? just, it's just
1: being, it's just being old. That's all. I mean, I, we are old, but you, I mean, you and George Reynolds deserve like a percentage of everybody post, I, like VOD. You
2: don't. Care. I should have gotten points on the San Majority record. As you don't producer. get
1: residuals, Hardy. <laughs> no. <laughs> you
4: Should go oh.
2: strike. Writer strike. There you I go. get residual. Wait. I get residual scene points, so it's okay. It's, it's a it's, big scene point. That's a big record. Yeah, yeah, I will take the cred.
1: And then uh photographer of the world and the 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 creator of the dead guy documentary.
4: Ooh, one of one of the two. One of them. i will have to take two. full credit. I'm gonna All give right. you full
1: credit for these points for these and it was That's a great fine. documentary. It was wonderful. I learned so Thanks. much stuff about a band that I thought I knew everything about. Me too. Nathaniel Shannon. Hey. And author of the same by this book. Oh, what a what a guy Yeah, we were gonna get that. We, that was a build up, man. Come on. <laughs> It's not our first rodeo. We're getting there, bud. You're building up. I love it. We're, we're yeah, pros, yeah. man. Yeah. Come on, man. David's it's like electronic team. music. <laughs> <laughs> so first and foremost, we talked about it on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Um, it's St. Vitus' 10th anniversary. And in the celebration of that, to put together a coffee table book, as an elder, hardcore, punk dude, I love that Like all the stuff that I love are now getting to be coffee table books. And like all the zines are now in one book. I love photo books. And I think, um, especially now, with all the different types of media that get bands out there, there's still nothing better than an iconic photo to make your band pop. And I think, you know, Nathaniel amongst – there's a ton of great photographers out there today. And I think, um, yeah, seeing some of the – I saw some of this, the, the prints or whatever from uh, Dave's phone, and it just looks fucking incredible. So we were here to talk about they're putting out a book. Um, what's the actual title? Already? Oh, it's already done.
3: Damn. Wow. It is, it is, it is, it is. It's we, we have a hard demo, hard cover demo. It's true. Oh
1: yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's we, just um, a demo.
4: We're going to come to a parking lot near you where you can buy it out of the trunk of our car.
3: <laughs> and there's a kid uh, that's still up it, right until... Right until uh, I guess when this drops, it will be up until the Saturday, and uh, yeah, it's called Saint Vitus the First 10 Years An Oral and Visual History
1: by Nathaniel Shannon. Thank Love you, it. Dave. No problem, very professional. We're gonna call <laughs> can you be Arthur now if we're all gonna go like very pro names, like David, Arthur, Patrick? Are yours?
2: Uh, I only I'm, signed I'm, contracts under Arthur, so it's uh, uh, <laughs> Really shitty ones. <laughs> so ones. Um, Saint Vitus,
1: correct me if I'm wrong. When you guys first started, there was no uh, indication that it would be a venue, right? Like it was just going to be like a metal bar, correct?
2: Yeah. So basically, like uh, I mean, we there was it was so big that we kind of it was necessary to have a stage of some sort. I'm sure. To, and we wanted to do shows, but you know, like I've been touring for 25 some odd years and I really wanted to fashion the place after European metal bars that I had been in, um, so many of them over the years. And mm-hmm. it it uh, just kind of morphed into a, a venue. It was, uh, you know, I, I don't hate live music, but um, if I don't have to deal with it because it bothers people, And, you know, like in New York City, there's a reason why music venues don't last very long. Um, uh, You know, everybody's on top of each other. And so it's a constant struggle. And if you can just be a bar and be open, all you're doing is paying a bartender and maybe a bouncer. And then, you know, tons of people, there's, you know, eight million bars we could talk about that just make money on top of money on top of money with very little overhead. Of course, there's rent, which is ridiculous in New York. But, you know, for us, it was a different situation. We were way down in Greenpoint. Uh, A lot of people didn't come down there. It was a really shitty neighborhood at the time. It still kind of is. It's yeah. Well, I mean, there is now. I mean, there is now. But yeah, when you guys first started, right? Like, there wasn't that building. Like you could
1: see the city from. You could see the the city. Yeah, you could
2: see the. You could see the skyline. It was. It was
1: amazing.
3: I remember uh, when they knocked down the warehouse and uh, there would used to just be a warehouse across the street. And uh, I'll never forget like being outside of St. Vitus and I've, I've had more than than a few drinks and there was just garbage trucks lined down Manhattan Avenue. And like overnight, they just cleared out that entire warehouse, then knocked it down. And then we got the view for like two years or something. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was crazy, but there was nothing and, there. And, like, and also
2: we had, board, we had the Boardwalk Empire, Boardwalk, uh, the set. Right, right. The corner, commercial, they, right. which they eventually blew up, which was a whole neighborhood event. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, but that was cool because, like, they would film stuff all over the place around. So you'd see Steve Buscemi and people like that right. around. And, you know, lots of people had good jobs working on that. Sure. Um, but yeah, now that's all Greenpoint Landing and, like, yuppie, you know, uh, child pushing. Uh, people in the neighborhood, but there's, you know, like the, the thing, are about, they,
4: the, the are thing they about selling the kids.
2: Is so like pushing <laughs> kids on <laughs> people. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Sorry, I was, I was thinking of uh, fix, right? I haven't had yeah. to, I haven't had to deal with a stroller in a couple of years. So. But, <laughs> yeah, but. It's, um, it's- yeah it's it's uh, quite
3: the 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 the, quite the the change from what it was it was pushing of a
2: different kind yeah (laughs) but like you know there's the from drugs
4: to drugs to kids right
2: the homeless well it's still there though the homeless shelters are all still there right so it's like you have this really weird mix now of like high-end restaurants people pushing strollers and uh co-ed halfway house the sro and a 200 bed homeless shelter all within a half a block of each other
3: Right. So, and, then it, a be- and, a, and then a great music venue as it's right, as it's son of this beautiful uh you know universe uh, right there so, we are.
2: so part of the thing with saint Vitus and like not having a sign and all that bullshit right. there was there was a couple of reasons for that and one of them was because the neighborhood was so shitty we didn't want to like be like hey we're here you know, right, 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 come on in right. Because literally the only people that were there in the neighborhood were homeless people. So, or people trying to score drugs. Right. So it was, uh, you know, it was sort of like a, an intimidation factor. Like, what is this black place? You know, right. With grating
1: outside that it's yeah. like it's impenetrable almost.
3: Yeah. And I mean, also, we, it was kind of a, like not to tip off too. I feel like when you guys made it, it had like, it's like using it as an advantage in in that way. And also it was like, if it's going to be a destination, make it a full on destination. So it's like, what happens in there is kind of that more speakeasy vibe too, you know? So like using that weakness as a strength in a way.
2: I've always loved the speakeasy idea where, you know, like you, you walk into a nameless black space and you walk in and all of a sudden there's this incredibly beautiful space that all this cool shit's happening. And I felt like the way that Vitus was designed w- had that effect. It was very, it, you know, like you walk in and you're like, I don't know what I'm walking into. I feel like I could be walking into like, you know, my death. <laughs> you <laughs> Instead, want that me, You're Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just going, I'm going for it. I hear some music I might know. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, you walk into this beautiful bar that is like covered with cool shit. And it is, uh, I thought it, it it the effect worked. And then, you know, the music, the music eventually came, it, it started from the beginning. The first show that Dave booked was Liturgy and White Hills. Um Rain, actually, not Highlands. Hills. Primitive Weapons was the first band that played because we cool. had to test out the the uh, sound system and whatnot. But um, How long well yeah. into it was that? Like, was that a year in or was that? No, so- no, that was almost... Probably a month after we opened,
1: Dave. Wow. Okay. Yeah.
3: I think that the the idea was that at first, I remember when I was approached to, like, Artie was like, yo, you're booking shows around town. You know, we were in the band at the time, you know, already, like, doing our thing. And he was like, "Yo, me and George, we, we, we got the spot. We're going to go, like, open this thing. And I remember after practice, I walked in and St. Vitus was like, uh, the bar was framed out. But like nothing else, it was just like the framing, and then you know, so you could kind of tell like the the layout. You brought me there after practice, and I was like, Are you gonna do music in this room or whatever? And you're like, Nah, I don't know, <laughs> you know, because it, they're uh, you know, the the positives and negatives there that I already laid out yeah. from an ownership perspective and, and dealing with it, but it really was like the perfect room, you know. Uh, right. and then he spoke to me, being like, Later on, like, okay, we're gonna do. Two shows a week, good ones though. You got to put good ones. We were thinking about bringing you in, you know, and uh, to to do this, and you'll get it like a Tuesday night bartending shift, and like that's sort of like how it started. So the I feel like the intention oh, was, I was like a little car- bit more I was balanced. Karaoke
2: on those Tuesdays, right? You were, <laughs> and you that, know,
3: <laughs> like the in- the intention was like this balanced thing, you know, with more of like a bar style programming, and then it quickly just went like just that way of like full on like live music is their thing over
1: the years. Right. Right. Cause I mean, I think, it, yeah, it got to a point that you guys were just so, all right. I have, in my head, I have the idea of like, and we'll get to the end of it. I don't, I don't want to just uh, talk uh, history. The, the first time that I was like, Oh shit, this place is like a real fucking deal thing was the descendants hot water thing. Oh, that was what, about two years after you guys started maybe. No, it was about it was about a year. I was I mean, even sooner, okay. Uh, and
2: 2015. Yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't 2015. There's no way. 2012? 2011. No, it was. 20... No, you're right. It's two 2012. 2012. The summer of 2012. It was uh, uh, August. August. Yeah, yes, August. it was August. It was August, I it was August. My memory now I should know all yeah, this, uh, but I don't remember shit. So, so Tom, what was what was your memory of that? You you give me it's your some... perspective on it. What was my memory of it? I just Time
1: glass. hearing from someone because Riot Fest got shut down because of weather. Someone's like, get to Vitus. Hot water music and The Descendants are playing. And I go, I'm going to take a chance and go on the off chance that this is actually going to happen. But I've been to Vitus. It's a small bar. There's no way this can happen. And I remember watching Bill Stevenson walk past me holding his kick drum. And I remember being like, holy fuck, this is actually happening. And to me, that was the first thing that was like, be, like, you guys have gone on to do a ton of other things that are, like, how is this even physically possible? But I just remember you guys had banquet, like, banquette kind of tables yeah. and, like, seats in there. I stood oh. on top of one of those and, like, filmed the entire show, like, on my, like, iPhone 4 or whatever the fuck it was. Okay. And just watching, like, Milo crowd ride because he forgot the Ten Commandments or whatever. And he, like, rode, like, rode the crowd out of the bar with mm-hmm. the merch okay picked up the stuff and got back in. And that's the only way he could make it around. But that was like the first time that I was like, oh, this is like pretty special because this isn't something that can just like happen. And I think already, you know, when a lot of the hot water dudes, obviously and, like Jason and everybody like that probably like was like the start of it. for them it just, like, It's our buddy's bar. Like we're just going to go play, his bar. but like a band, like the descendants who are playing, you know, Roseland, like four or 5,000 capacity rooms in New York city are coming to play like this tiny, like metal bar. Was the first time I kudos, I
2: kudos, kudos to them man because that was amazing like, they didn't have to they got paid that was no that was fucking punk as shit yeah and it yeah. was like you know i i i don't want to i buy the book if you want to read the whole story sure. Perfect. um yeah. but it, it's uh you know that was I, I like to hear other people's perspectives on that day because for me i was bartending i also had to deal with uh, all the bullshit that happened like immediately. Because there was 2,000 people there at 6 o'clock. Security wasn't even there. There was nothing. Right. It was just like, I saw Justin. I was like, Justin, stand at the front door. Don't let anybody else in. And security mm-hmm. eventually showed up. But, I mean, we had 2,000 people online. The line went all the way to McGinnis Boulevard. and Like under the
3: Pulaski Bridge. I'll never forget it. It was Nobody
2: like fucking left. It was pouring rain. Yeah. Everybody stand outside. I literally walked up and down the block going, like, you're not getting in. Leave. Huh. not getting in I and mean, people were just like fuck you man you're letting your friends in blah 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 i was like yeah 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 that's what's happening i'm on the place i want, I want to my my whole if thing it wasn't I, for Artie's friends it wouldn't be
3: happening exactly
2: Jeez. exactly <laughs> howard of music thank you yeah and and you know like there was there was a bunch of people involved in it but like it was it was definitely one of those experiences where for me and i talk about this in the book where uh it was such an incredible moment to see people have this experience that was just fucking otherworldly for people. Right. You know, like I'm not a big Descendants fan personally. Sure. Fair enough. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not a big fan of most of the bands that play. <laughs> like, you know, I'm into rush and shit, but like, uh, but it, it doesn't matter. Like it's, it's about seeing people have enjoy things. Like I'm, I'm 50 years old. I like all music, and the reason that we're all into hardcore and shit is because we're music fans, not just because we like underground music. Like you, you when you, you're into hardcore, that means you like to search shit out. So this is a room full of people who have spent their whole lives doing the same shit I've done, and they're having the fucking night of their life, and they're never gonna have it again. And it was literally like I remember standing there. I was with Jason and and George and like the Hot Water Guys, and I, and I was just like. I was so happy. I, like, I mean, I was constantly on edge. We were going to get closed down because it was just so fucking insane. Yeah. But, like, it just worked so well. And and Judah, the band that played afterwards, like, we made that show free. And it was, like, they were so cool. They were like, the Descendants opened for us. They were from Italy. And, like, <laughs> I mean, it was just. The drunkest the band of playing.
3: the night by a long measure. We just fed them as much alcohol Good. as and possible. Like, yeah. And we're yeah like, they, everybody okay. stuck
2: around. Right. People stuck it was like around. Two hundred people shit.
3: dancing at like two in they the stuck morning. Stuck around.
2: It was fucking it was amazing. Totally, totally. And not the so first time that show that? particularly represents. No, go ahead. Good. I don't know. you like—is that the turning point? Do you think that you? Oh no, no. It it's just that show. That show represented what, like, it represented what we could do, right?
1: Mm.
2: And yeah. what we could get away with. Um, you know, and, and I say, get away with an asterisk, you know, but like, it's, it it was completely illegal, but we did it in a way that was smooth, smooth as shit. And it was fucking great. And everybody that was there had a great time because I also think we got lucky that the people that were there understood what they were walking into, you know, it's like, you, you know, how this works with hardcore kids. It's like hardcore kids understand What's right. going to happen when they walk in the room? When you start dealing with younger people, things can get a little convoluted because they're going home to their parents. They're not going home to their own apartment. Right. So if they come home with scrapes and broken bones and shit, you know, mom and dad, I know what I would do. I'd be like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> so it
3: already is yeah, like I mean, going to be like, if it was at the PWAC, it's up. Okay, we'll let it slide. You <laughs> yeah.
2: know? The fucking PWAC was the most illegal place on the fucking planet. Office <laughs> building during the week, and at
1: the end, we all went there and had shows and had VOD Dude. in front of three thousand people. Like, what the
2: fuck? Like, it's the most. Look, I'm um, glad my name wasn't on that lease. <laughs> the other
1: already got to deal with all that bullshit. That's um, yeah, no, already. Oh true. yeah. <laughs> and then, um I,
4: yeah, as as Nathan, yeah, please, a friend at that point of the bar, um since I shot that show, the Descendant show, um, I think. Well, I was aware of the importance at the time of what was happening. I think the grand, the big, the big picture here of like what it meant for the bar, which then ended up, you know, benefiting me and like a million other people from playing and shooting and just using the bar as like a community center to like make art and produce awesome shit over the years. Was that made, I feel like the bar a recognizable part of like kind of punk rock history. Cause it was the descendants, yep. you know, yeah. there's been a million other really cool things that have happened there, which are detailed in the book. So go fucking buy it. But that was the show. I feel like that really encapsulated as already said, like what the bar could do given that that wasn't even a plan. You know, that was just one of those magic New York things that, that is, everybody just kind of hour. got together, like within an hour that, I think is probably one of the most, uh, one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Cause I love the descendants unlike Artie. Um, so <laughs> being able to like photograph them and I had photographed them before, but like being able to photograph them and like have Milo's ball sweat, like go in my mouth while I'm shooting <laughs> him play. I want to be a bear. Like was like, Walks, you yeah, know that's... incredible like because not only did my friends make this happen but also like i'm a part of it i got to document it which like i think is some of my favorite pictures i've ever taken let alone the bar um but it just transcended what a diy venue in brooklyn can do and became i, I, I wouldn't say less necessarily like an international that wasn't like an international phenomenon but people i think around the country were like what the fuck how did that happen Right, you know. I also think
3: it kind of kicked off a little bit of an era. In reality, yeah, it was kind of 100%. like the secret show era, the late night show era, and no matter once matter we were, night. yeah, once we were able yeah. to do something like that, it was just kind of like it, like the underplay thing is a thing that definitely happened. Shit, Patrick just did one like late night, and like it was almost like it, it expected, like like you you can do that, right? But I think at the time that wasn't it quite yet and then there were all these you know kind of uh older bands that were getting back together as well and like it was just like this confluence of like a couple of different things and then once we were able to show that we could do that with like a band of that caliber it was like it just opened up so much and then like it, it created this sort of like who knows who could play tonight? If any band is yeah. in New York City, like, what yeah, could that, happen, I think, you know? I think also... Necessity.
1: Yeah, it had I such think a from thing. I'm
4: sorry. From, like, a marketing perspective, yeah. too, like, that happened so organically yeah. and sincerely. You know, there's been other, you know, Megadeths and, you know, the carcasses where it's like, that shit's planned, you know, and everybody... Even with Megadeth, like, nobody really knew that that was going to happen until, like, a week before or whatever it was. But it's like, that had to get booked, Dave had to, you know, Mustaine had to get his hair done to like walk in the building and like all <laughs> that shit, but it's just like going from Ghostbuster storm to, the descendants playing an hour and a half later, I think really has created, as Dave just said, like the foundation for like this community that, um, put the bar from, you know, and th- this is also speaking from like working on the book and like uh, that. A lot of people have referenced that show across the board from from the emos and the punks to the hardcore kids to the metal fans everybody's just like fucking descendants play you know which is cool as shit um so that being a testament to like what could be done (laughs) to be completely redundant here uh i think blew my mind and it blew everybody's mind you know because it was so organic and and people wanted to play there you know there's a, a venue i grew up in michigan and Nirvana played a very famous show at the Blind Pig in Ann Arbor uh, uh, right before Nevermind came out. And there's like a really famous bootleg there of of that show. And I remember the first time I stepped on that stage was just like Nirvana played on the stage. Helmet right. played on the stage. Soundgarden played on the stage. Every band ever has played on the stage. And it kind of started like that trajectory of history of like people just wanting to be on
1: that stage. I want to be a part of it. It has like such cash, like Vitus has such, has such cachet that it's like, mm-hmm. no matter, I'd always they, like joke with Dave because it'd be like, oh, there's a big concert going on somewhere in New York that's like relatively punk adjacent. Oh, so like, obviously refuse, they're going to come back and play the bar, right? Or a fucking Jawbreaker or fucking, you know, I go to see Texas, the reason at like 2 a.m. on a Tuesday at the bar because they were playing after they played Irving or wherever the hell it was, maybe musical. Yeah, yeah. there it. it was always like... His- there was always a rumor that it's like, well, some musical, right. It was musical, right. And then it was like, I remember going, it was like them in Game Face at like one o'clock in the morning. like, on like a Tuesday or something. But then there was always this expectation. Yeah. Like if it's going to happen, it's going to happen at Vitus because they just have like this fucking pull and that people want to be a part of it. And like you said, you had obituary two nights, you had this. I mean, you had fucking Nirvana. You're the yeah. living members of Nirvana. Yeah, dude, look. You're so
3: then you just like, it's, it's just, start, I think you, you're you right about it, Tom, like just that, like it became like this snowball sort of thing. And then you try and stoke that, that, you know, like you kind of just keep trying to stoke the fire. If you're me, that's all that I'm doing. You know, I'm just kind of like putting more, you know, more coals into the, into the engine to like, keep it going. And that was just mostly like the, the, the role of it, but the bar itself created that over like, just the years and then all the different connections going into it and everything like that. I mean, this happened in an hour because of a storm, like it, it just is kind of unqualifiable, but then it started becoming that a little bit and it showed people what's up. So yeah. Totally. I I, I think
2: it also like is a, is a, like, we also showed what we could pull off production wise and how quickly we could do it which, you know, that, that was a, a whole nother thing. Like we had anthrax, yeah. that was a shit show. Like, you know, they, they did, they did one night and then they, they were like, Oh, you know, well, we want to come back and play at midnight. Well, you well know, the thing the is, night. the thing
3: is, is the thing is, is I, we booked them the one night and then they were like, what's up with the second night. And like, that was something that I didn't think was going to be in the cards and uh, awesome. the band Headwound, the the band Headwound city was playing the following night which is like you know um nick zinner and um you know justin pearson and and, and, a, and a bunch of you know great musicians that show was sold out so i just was like look i mean you you could do it but like it would have to be like at midnight you have to like load in like just gave it like the worst case scenario. Like, it like, just it. Anthrax. Like, yeah, like, oh, I, man, like
1: oh, yeah,
3: I I, but I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, dude. I couldn't do this, right? And right. then they were like, and then all of a sudden, they were just like, yeah, we're down for it. I was like, what, what have I done? Like, but I, no, I really you, didn't you know how it was
2: dude, gonna go, dude. You have to understand, they rewired, they made their own fucking sound booth in the middle room and they rewired the board. So they ran all these wires across this fucking ceiling down into the middle room. And they did that on the first night. And then they were like, okay, well we're going to come back and recreate this at midnight <laughs> on a fucking Saturday. So we got 250 pe- fucking 300 people online right. for like an hour and a half while oh, they're the fucking rewiring the goddamn room because they need to use their fucking board. It was Oh my it god! It was mental. Oh, the man. It was
3: mental. work, like hang out, guys. We'll be right. Here. Oh, and, also, and also, also to their and, credit, they played a show in Connecticut the day of two They played three they times did. in like twenty four hours.
2: They did. That no, was I mean, crazy. Band, look, I kudos to the crew because they're the ones who had to fucking deal with it. But like, unbelievable. Yeah, it was uh, it was fucking insane. It was just like what. Like, why the fuck? Uh, All right, cool. And then they murdered
3: it. It was great. Yeah, And
2: they murdered it.
3: I honestly think that that set was better than the other one. Like, they murdered it. Like, Joey was was on fucking fire, man. And the crowd, I think, I don't know, you know? It was kind of like, okay, they were just sort of like pent up and it was late at night and stuff like that. When it actually went off, they were fucking with it, you know? Uh, it was really great, but, uh, yeah, Kudos to the Anthra- Anthrax, you know, doing that, yeah. you know, playing three times in 24 hours, pretty much yeah. once in Connecticut. I,
0: I think, uh, I think a thing that gets forgotten is bands want to play cool shows. It's booking agents that don't want bands to play cool shows. <laughs> <laughs> and, and <clears throat> um yeah a big yeah i mean <laughs> it, it's uh you know there's a limit right and and every musician's limit is different i don't like uh basements with dog shit on them right so that that's probably my limit like i i lo- i'll play a cool show uh hey uh it's uh you've got a show that night can you come back and play my house is there dog shit on the floor if i get a yes i i say i decline right so so that's the, that's my limit but for most musicians the limit is or, or the the minimum is hey does everything in your club work is it cool right. is it is it, it going to be a nightmarish hassle in any way no then i would love i would love to play your 300 cap yes can i do that and i think it is uh i i think that bands look for excuses to do underplays as they're called now and they're talked out of it by booking agents that tell them it's not a good look right
2: you are so spot on that's like amazing i think it really depends too i think
3: that bands need to remember that they're always in charge you know and sometimes depending on the moment they'll be times where that goes but like yeah and then sometimes it's just like yo if you want to do something cool do something cool don't listen to anyone else i guess you know what i mean because that's how most of this shit tended to happen you know yeah, a lot yeah.
1: of it those well, obituary I, shows you guys did were like those a, were just like, bug shows fan. you know yeah i mean but to get an, a band like obituary in the room two nights mm-hmm. like when they play you know gramercy irving wherever to get them for two nights that was like historic for the i think that re-energized the band in new york and i totally agree i think i think i think, really think that people i think that people forget
3: <laughs> because of what goes on now at that time death metal was probably the most like like you know like Gosh. corny like gauche, <laughs> exactly kind of like oh, uh, like we don't you know like I did, do that I like at the time that. doom and black metal were were ruling the roof. so also there's there's like those moments now yo obituary to me is like fucking I'm, presidential I'm, yeah, like the best um, you know uh yeah so it, to, to have them and to be able to to do it even at at, at that time um i i thought you know there there have been nebulous times for different genres right like Hardcore had some like nebulous times until I feel like honestly like the trapped under ice incendiary bat track like a lot of those bands like before that it was to me like kind of nebulous. I think that death metal had like this very nebulous time where you're like, who's going to pick up the torch? Some of these older bands like they they still play, but it wasn't quite there yet. And then all of a sudden, it started picking up that that, that steam and and now it's like yeah, if obituary plays, and that is a fuck yeah, it is a complete underplay, you know. But I, I think that that's also, yeah, I mean, to be honest, it matters. You know, that's why we yeah, have
2: no, Dave, of course, Dave knows all about this, but like, I and mean, we've had endless conversations about it. But obituary, I don't even think they sold out those two shows. In fact, uh, I know they didn't sell out one of them. They might have sold out day of the first one, but like, I think that's, the first
3: one they definitely did.
2: Yeah. The second one, I think they did 187, if I remember correct, mm-hmm. which is crazy that I remember that, but like, because I'm such a huge fan and I saw them in the late 80s, you know, it was like right. they were like the best fucking like ignorant death metal band you could ever fucking see. They basically invented it. And that's why they always worked with hardcore bands and shit. But like it, it, uh, it was fucking, you know, like I was like, oh, my God, obituary, obituary. And it was like, why is it selling so slow? And it has a lot to do with the ebbs and flows of different genres yeah, sure. and how it works.
1: Right. And people go, I'm never going to get in. It's fucking obituary at a bar. Like, there's no way uh, d- uh, Yeah. And, and at the time,
3: Not and you know what? No, and,
0: no, and,
3: and,
1: and shout out to Obituary, because
3: they just sold out Irving Plaza. And we, like, yeah. helped push nuts. that show. And, and, and fuck, yeah.
1: That's what that's they deserve to be. It. Right? Fuck it. Yeah. That's but I think, honestly, those shows be. were so legendary to a lot of people that it reinvigorated. I, I swear to God, like, there are people that are hardcore kids that never saw them probably before or after. We're at those shows where they sold the goddamn obituary camouflage hats that every fucking hardcore kid wears. Was at those shows, <laughs> and I feel like that like made obituary like a thing for hardcore kids that <laughs> yeah. they might not have been before.
4: If uh... I, sh- I also shot that show, if, shot, yeah, yeah, they, Um and I remember like I was <laughs> so fucking excited. Um, I, I had shot them before, but like not in that kind of a room. Um <laughs> I remember the crowd being considerably younger than i expected right. um and i don't i i gotta be honest like it was hammered. and that was 10 years ago to 12 years ago um i don't remember it being uncomfortably crowded either mm. at that and it was something where i think everybody that was at that show wanted to be there so bad that it was such a i hate to use the word vibe but like it was such a cool vibe and like feeling being in that right. room together, like you know, they played chopped in half and everybody just went fucking ape shit. But <laughs> it was like respectful and it almost felt like a big hug of <laughs> hair and sweatpants. Um which was it like I, I just remember awesome the headbanging.
3: It was, it was, was just such a mosh but like mosh with headbang for mm-hmm. every like moment. You I, know like that. Everybody thompier, had room to do that though. Yeah know? it was fucking nuts in there though. It was great. Uh, I mean, that's that. They're the guys. What's uh, the? You know topic? what I remember? You
2: know what I remember about that show. Yeah, is all the college, Florida college football gear that obituary was wearing.
3: Oh yeah, this move. <laughs>
2: Do you remember this
3: move? Obituary rolled up in white dolphins. Oh yeah, hair house. up and, they, and and like it looked like they had no hair. And mm-hmm. we were like, whoa! Like this looks like the fucking the linebackers coach for the <laughs> fucking dolphin, <laughs> right? And we, we, we roll in and we're like, all right, cool. And, like, you know, you, you see them up close. Oh, they're like, okay, there's a Darty Brothers. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's them, you know? And we're <laughs> kind of like, huh, you know? And then, like, they're chilling. They do everything, you know, that they're supposed to do as a band, obviously. And then they're like, all right, cool. Like, time to go play. And they just, like, pop the lid and then boom, like, the waterfall <laughs> hair comes out. And they're like, you're like... That's the guys like birthday. that's them <laughs> yeah, like just blonde hair just down to your ass like ready to go and you're like oh shit yeah you're the one like it was like uh you know some uh, Superman Clark Kent style transformation it was incredible I remember
2: I remember going up to the to the stage because I wanted to see what the fuck his pedal board was because that, that fucking tone is just so yeah fucking amazing through sort of a and- telly. Dude, the only, no, the only fucking distortion pedal was a rat pedal. That was it. <laughs> that was, I was like, what the fuck? Like, what are we doing? It was like, <laughs> a fucking rat through a fucking Marshall. Like, I was like, what magic is this guy doing? I don't understand. Yeah.
4: John Tardy's, John Tardy's hair got wrapped around my camera strap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so Sick. much hair and it got like wrapped around it. And I was like, no oh, man, like, I don't want to pull your hair. You're singing, you know? <laughs> I like felt yeah. bad, but it was he just kind of looked at me and gave me a heads up, and we untangled ourselves. Yeah. The, those the, like, guys made those guys
2: summer. made me want to go to like an FSU fucking like not FSU fucking yeah, shit like, up, like Florida full- State University Gators game. Yeah. <laughs> I like, ah, can I go to a Where's Gators it? game with you guys? I've never yeah. wanted to before, but like with you guys, I'll go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You guys will go.
0: If if I can uh, say one one more thing, if I can belabor the underplay for a second. <laughs> and, and, and just say that, uh, and, uh, Nathaniel, this speaks to what uh, you bring to the table as well. Every show, in my opinion, should be an advertisement for the next show. And that's, that's what an underplay does better than anything in this world. It, it gives people such like, when you say they played our club two nights, now they're doing Irving Plaza. As, as Tom said, you, I know you guys want to be a little humble, but as Tom said, that's not a coincidence, right? It's like people have such a good memory of the show where the ball sweat was hitting them that then, that then they're willing to pay the premium to see them in the big room, et cetera, et cetera. And I know this is all basic stuff, but I think it's stuff that's often lost again on booking agents. And uh, it's, it's just that simple. It's that simple idea that the most yeah. high inten- the, the most high intensity thing you're going to see sells the next event and i think that- i
3: think you're totally right man yeah and like the curation of like not just uh, you know who's playing but how to like make it awesome for the people who attend I you know be already in georgia you know, we constantly want the place to just like be better and be great because, you know, we, we want it to be like, yeah, we're like the blast zone, you know, the, the most intense spot that you're ever going to go see band X, you know, or rad will be, hopefully will be, you know, Vitus, you know, like if you're, you know, your your band, whoever your band is that you're excited to see. if like, if they're playing in that room, I want people to go like sick. That's where they're playing. Yes, let's go. You know? Right. So I think that that's, um, uh, yeah, It works both ways, you know. It's, it's, it's a win win.
2: Experiential.
3: Experiential.
2: Everybody experiential.
4: It's a win win for everybody. Uh, as a photographer, I get the coolest pictures. Yes. The bar gets the coolest exposure. And the band also gets the coolest exposure. And the fans have the best time um, all the way around. And it kind of works as as a package
1: and that logo yeah, is I, such an iconic background for those pictures yeah it is yeah yeah but you yeah. know where exactly i mean there's where that show is there's shout out to lawrence malilly yeah my
3: fucking absolutely man.
2: um yeah. my ex-neighbor I,
4: <laughs> it's funny like with the placement of that and with like the circle inside the triangle has become a target for me over the years to like how do i get whoever whoever's singing head squared away in the in the circle so it like creates a halo and like it's actually easier than you think it would be uh because there's uh, uh enough room in in the in the back room there but that as a from a marketing perspective you know like working having worked in producing photo and video for like marketing purposes like you couldn't ask for like a smarter way to push the brand of the bar but also for the band's to be kind of a part of that package um, is...
1: Right, it really behooves, uh, it benefits everybody. It's incredible, yeah. and still
4: is incredible. So,
1: from kind fun- of ch- oh. Go ahead, Tom. So I just wanted to point out, so people that are not you know lucky to be in New York City and not fortunate to go gone to leave, Pat? I
2: yeah.
1: he'll be back from his Oslo vacation, that are not fortunate enough to find caused- us yet. One, until recently, one of the, the quaintest, most like amazing things... Was that the bands the headlining bands would literally have to walk through the crowd to get to the stage mm. right so that yeah. only changed right during covid you guys like rerouted but like so like dave Mustaine would have to like walk like
2: no, you me, still like, you still have to walk through you still have to walk through the crowd it's <laughs> just like it's
1: like walking
3: less through but you well, still, still gotta like walk dead through.
2: center
1: so like so for, who, like, whoever wants to answer, like, what was the one that you're like, I can't believe this motherfucker is walking through a crowd of 300, like, metalheads in bro- deep. Oh, uh, dude. Down.
2: So it, it used to kind of be my job to walk people through. Yeah. Like, because I was doing production for years. And, like, so it was either me or Dave. Right. With, the light. Or both of us. <laughs> 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 with, or both of us if we were flanking. Yeah. We we'd do back and forth, like, one front, one back. And we talk about it beforehand, like you take front and take back. All right, cool. No. You know, or we'd have security go in the back. But like, but yeah, you just have a flashlight and you walk up. I mean, there. you know, Dave Mustaine is a good one. I, I got to say that the book signings that we do. Right. were some of my most fun walkthroughs like John Lydon and uh, my favorite personal one was Carrie Brownstein. Oh, wow. Uh, so when she did hers, she she's like very engaging, very sweet. Right. Um, I guess Legend. like I, I'll I'll preempt this with Zach Wilde was an interesting one because he had like his Black Label Society weirdo fucking people who showed up, like all this like quote unquote local crew, and they're like, Don't go near Zach. And and I was like, Does Zach even know where the fuck he is? Like, you know, right. it's like it was <laughs> it was totally fucking weird. Luckily, luckily uh Blasco is the was the bass player and his manager. And he's a fucking awesome guy. He's totally got it together. Right. But like the the uh but fucking yeah, like Carrie the Carrie brownstein thing was just one of these like moments where she did she did, I think she did an interview, then she did uh she did a I was up on stage, she did a she did a, a signing. But then when she was getting off stage, like they were, you know, all of her people were like, oh, we got to go straight out and straight in the car and whatnot. And so I was walking with her and, you know, I was like, I was like, you know, trying to obey the rules of the manager or whoever. And it's like, and she was, she like, you know, it was, there was a lot of, I'll say lesbians in the crowd there and who literally worshipped her. And she was so fucking sweet she stopped and talked to so many people and i you know because i was right by her trying to get her out i overheard the conversations and they were like it it was moving it was like a really amazing experience right to see these girls who you know and i'll say girls i don't know you know what they identify as i don't want to get in trouble but like it, it it was uh young
4: folk young folk
2: it was it was a really really amazing experience for people who worshipped this woman who is an icon. She really really is, right. to, yeah. especially to a particular scene, to be that close to her right. and to she be able to talk to her. Right. And she did not fucking flinch. She was like right on it, talking, "Hey, yeah, blah 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 blah," right. like you know, and it it was about to get out of control. But I felt like people were really. And, and this is a common thing at Vitus where people are very respectful. You know, it's like they understand that the person can't have all your attention. You know, it's like right, right. it's not it's just not going to work that way. And but this particular moment was just I was I was moved. I was really moved. I was like, you know, I live in Park Slope, so I deal with a lot of that stuff. And like, you know, I I, I, I it was great to see. These girls like fucking meet their hero and be able to talk to him and be able to touch her and like you know it, it, right. like be able to connect in a way that was beyond listening to a Sleater Kenner record or, or reading her right. book or shaking your hand as she's running. Yeah, out. she did out not that. do that at yeah. all. She was fucking. Which fantastic.
3: which which oh, is God. just a testament to to the artists and how they are and at, you know and and different artists you know act different ways and have different experiences i got i, I was able to think of, of a couple because already i remember doing many of these with you as you were saying in our conversations and stuff but there were two that really stick out to me in my mind one of them had nothing to do with me but i just consider it the greatest entrance in same vitis history and that was vinnie stigma for his 60th birthday party was Absolutely incredible. Um, Vinny came to, you know, where the people were. And, you know, the place is rammed. Obviously, Agnostic Front's about to play. And they played the Godfather theme song. And he had the SG with stigma on the back. And he just raised his hand with the SG. And that fucking room parted like like the Red Sea, man. (laughs) There, There was not one person that needed to be around him. He, he, it was like he had like a force field around him. Right. Like it was incredible. And then they just got up there, and then it was like, and it was like, go. Yeah. And then it was like, boom, like, you know, like wall of death style, like bam. Yeah. But nobody was with him. That was the, like, the, the, the most amazing thing. It I was just sat, sat there, watched it happen, and then it just happened. And that's the magic of hardcore, I guess. Yeah, it was thing. amazing. And only the only time that pasta was ever served at St. Vitus oh, would be at that show as well. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one that really stands out in my mind and it's much more of like a personal story, but I've never really told it, I guess, on a podcast, but it would be Bjork, um, which wow. is like, we did these DJ nights with Bjork, uh, two of them. Um, and... Like, promoted uh, as,
1: like DJ nights with
0: her?
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. um, and so... There was a situation where I was at dinner with my friend, Brandon Stosi and a couple of the other people who were DJing with her uh, at the time, Caleb from sacred bones, shout out also to, um, and and like Bobby Heisenkloak, a couple of people were all eating and stuff. She comes in the restaurant where we were eating at uh, Esme, which is down the block from Vitus. Great little place. If you're in the, if you're in the neighborhood, (laughs) um That's and so we're, we're yeah well, ex-papacitos but we were we were sitting there and then at that time she had sat down or whatever and then i realized i was like i got a text like oh there's like mad people outside you know this this thing's gonna happen so i was like all right i'm gonna go before this and just make sure everything's cool with the club everybody was being held outside and everything but yeah. it was copacetic i heard everything was great i just wanted to make sure like yo everything is great for when she rolls in because he's notoriously very shy and she's had some issues with really rabid fans and stuff. So it's I just awesome. wanted to make sure yeah. that was cool. Yeah. Sure. Straight up. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I get up and I'm about to go and she goes to me, Hey, and I'm like, uh, Hey, she's like, can I come with you? And I'm like, yeah. uh, you, you could do whatever you want. <laughs> you know, and like everybody yeah, you at the table, Everyone at the table started started laughing, right? And so Brandon was like, "Yeah, you can go with Dave if you want." And she's like, "Okay, cool." So we're walking, and she's got these huge sunglasses on, right? And uh, she looks at this; she has the sunglasses on. And she's like, "These help me, you know," and like kind of being like she wants to stay a little bit more anonymous, yes. you know. And so we're walking, and she's very nice, but you can kind of feel like a little bit of a nervous en- energy. But like, but she's really cool, really sweet. Like Bjork, yeah. fucking rules. Um, and in my experiences with her and so we're walking and the whole time we're walking, you know, six, seven blocks, she's taking sips of this water bottle. Right. And so we're like, cool. And then all of a sudden she goes, Hey, do you want some? It's champagne. And so I'm like, Oh, cool. So me and Bjork walked down Manhattan Avenue drinking champagne. And then I walked oh, yeah. her into St. Vitus and then we proceeded to have like, pretty much the first ever club night at Saint vitus where it was like just DJs and music and lights and like hanging out. And now that has been something that we've kind of added to our repertoire of, you know, right, what dance. we do, what we do, what we do at the bar. Yeah. And it's been yeah. a, a really cool thing with Synthside and, and Nightwave wave and uh, music for the masses and all these like cool parties and stuff. But I think that doing that night for us, uh kind of showed us another dimension that this place could kind of like take and that was something i kind of like will never forget because it was such a wild and strange night for like so many reasons even what went in the club at the time and just kind of can't believe that that was the way that it kind of ushered in being like yeah let's let's throw some parties in here too maybe all you right know? all right so, so i, I got it uh, uh,
2: dave, dave that's it's very true and it's a beautiful story so i gotta tell the story about when i met bjork (laughs) it was at an angel Diodorian show so angel she was a member of uh oh my god why am i forgetting now uh well she's our our old drummer aram's sister but like she she's been in a a bunch of big bands whatever and she's she's amazing artist was it dirty projectors Dirty projectors. That's the band she was in. Yes. So, but uh, so, so she played a solo show and I'm downstairs and it's me, Brandon Stussy, Bjork, and, and like an angel. And so angel had put it down Bjork's full name on the guest list. Like, so <laughs> Bjork Gunderson, or like, it was some crazy last name. Right. It was like, it was more than that. I'm just sure we could, we could look it up right now, yeah. but so i'm like i'm like uh i'm like well uh, i was like uh, brandon was like hell oh, this is bjork and I, and I had met her husband who had her ex-husband at that point who had been in the bar a bunch of times with brandon so like whatever like it was it was all very cool and and right. i was just like i was like oh you know i was like bjork thank you so much for djing i think she had dj a couple of weeks before that and i was like you know, I have to thank Angel for putting uh, your last name on the guest list because so we didn't confuse you with other Bjorks. <laughs> <laughs> and she literally fucking blanked me. It was just so like, sold, like, everybody laughed except for her. Angel didn't laugh either. But she was just like, <laughs> like did that. And I was like, oh my God. I literally, I wanted to crawl into a fucking hole. I was just like. <laughs> uh, okay, I already said too much to drink. I go. like, in Iceland, Bjork is like Mary or something. You're like, oh cool, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like such a dick. But I thought it was oh, a yeah. great joke, you know. A, you you know, do laugh. <laughs> uh, uh, I-, I loved it. So, Thanks,
0: Dave So, uh, gentlemen, I uh, I don't know if you can hear me at the moment.
1: Yes, we can.
0: Uh, okay, so I'm getting this Oslo uh, uh, Wi-Fi <laughs> is booting me every few minutes. So I'm I'm going to uh, vacate. Yeah, I'd like to say this before I do, though. Uh, a thing I think about a lot is how worthless everything I do is and how uh, is. transitory and essentially ephemeral it is because I see people, bands will mean the world to them. And then, obviously, when those bands break up, people have to move on with their lives. They don't like enter the sarcophagus with you, you know what I mean? And and, <laughs> and with, with venues, it's even more so. It, it's venues to a lot of people are like restaurants that they really enjoy. Uh when they close, they're sad, but that sadness is is it can only last so long because they've they've got to continue eating. Right. So it, it it's uh what you what you gentlemen do by kind of allowing the space for people to f- form memories is pretty thankless. You know it, it's uh it, it, it's uh you do this remarkable thing and people don't give a shit who you are at all. And I, I think that that's really like a fascinating place to be as a person that contributes to the world. But I think that the book is an excellent idea because it, in the way that when my, when I'm no longer able to make music anymore, people are still able to pick up my records and, and enjoy them for whatever they're worth. People can pick up the book and enjoy and remember their time at the venue, which meant a lot to them, so I think it is an inspired idea, and I'm glad you're doing it,
2: uh, Pat. I mean, it makes <clears throat> uh, thank you for that, and it makes sense because we always treated the venue like a band. You know, it was ah. like it, it was like when we opened. You know, the build out was recording of the record. When we opened was the release of the record, and then we had to sell it from there on out. Yeah, like it's the only way I know how to deal with things because it's been my whole life. And uh, for, you know, for better or for worse, but we always treated it like a band, you know? So it's like we got Dave, he's the rock star in the band, you know, like uh, I, I'm sort of like the, I don't even know what I am. I, I write the songs and, you know, kind of George, get like the drummer. George, George is the, the, is the uh, he's the minister of oversight. You know, it's he's like, bass. It's, uh,
4: George is a bass player. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. Well, he's a really good bass player. Actually, <laughs> He's <laughs> a
4: Very
3: good. Bass he player. is a good bass player
2: um but but yeah it's uh it's it we very much treated it like that so that that makes sense and so the book is our physical record so i thank you for that patrick that's a that's actually a great great way of of putting it i appreciate it yeah
4: you also hit on something like really fascinating too given that in the two and a half years i was working on the book um we lost a handful of friends who are musicians that like have played that stage countless times who unbeknownst to working on it, we were able to immortalize in that, you know? So when you're gone, you have your legacy of like every record you've ever recorded when the bar is gone or any of the musicians that have played there are gone. There's a record of them in a physical format that people can also appreciate, which is, is, is wild. Cause like, even after the layout was done, submissions we're in um, from from a gaggle of photographers that were were kind enough to donate images. It's wild waking up some days and being like, oh, this person died. Oh, well, they're in the book. You know, so I, I think that that's also very cool because Vitus provided a stage. I was able to gather that stuff and everybody can kind of enjoy it because we are still alive because uh, hey. we're not going to be <laughs>
2: So <laughs> Not for, for us, sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. <laughs> no, but so the was
1: very touching.
2: No, no, he didn't even get a real leap, and, and
1: and, <laughs> and Casey was like, "He's right." If, if,
2: kind of, if, if you're kind of dead, you can't the buy the book. People, <laughs> the amount of people who have died <laughs> who have played <laughs> our stage is kind of fucking unbelievable. it's like it's it's there morium section it's fucking
4: weird, man. There, there's a lot of old people in that. Actually, true there there is but it's like not even it's fucking people in our peer group it's friends what we had you know in like yeah i put in a memoriam it's i i didn't grow up in long island um so my majority is not what everybody else's is but they were a great band and even even um that we had to go in and add i've had to add for rich right right. for, for rich and other people since the initial layout was done. And even since we got like proof copies of the book made, I don't mean to laugh, but like. Right.
1: I like what point do you go, right, that's uh, like, that's it? I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Another, yeah, I, yeah. Like, yeah. But it's
4: like, we, I've, I, you know, we, we had some time. So it's like I was able to slip some of that stuff in. But I think Patrick really, what you said was, was very, very, very important. And it's something that, like, as the author, I've learned even getting older and I'm not. I'm not as into things as I used to be, uh, and have gotten slightly jaded the older I've gotten, but like interviewing a million musicians and fans and friends of the establishment, the consensus is without that stage, there would be a massive hole in the music community in the United States. And that's coming from motherfuckers around the world saying that not just the people that live on Manhattan Avenue in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, you know? Um, So whether it's memorialized and immortalized by walking in that door or holding this physical book or buying a record or whatever it is, uh, the shit is mad deep. You know what I'm saying? So go buy the book. Mm.
2: I'm crying a little, a little bit. You I'm should great. be. Yeah. You should cry.
4: <laughs> All Everybody yeah. should be crying right now. No, it, it, it's yeah. fucking wild, man. And like that was that, you know, just kind of segue like it, it was heavy to me having lost some friends in throughout the process of like, um, especially with like Trevor Sternad's death yeah. uh, is the last interview he ever fucking gave is in that goddamn book, which was like bizarre to me because yeah. I talked to him and he died a couple weeks later. Um, and I've known that dude for um, all of my adult life and like spent a lot of time, you know. But it's like the Caleb's Caleb from S from Thrust old friend, Caleb from K in I mean, I, I mean, it's um,
2: crazy to me. He, yeah, Jared he from Planes, like one years. of my
4: favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Planes are mistaken for stars, are one of my favorite bands ever. Um, I photographed them of there a bunch. So it's like not only for me, the older I get to be like, fuck man, I've got pictures of Dio and Lemmy and like all these bands I've shot, uh, Peter Steele. It's cool, but, like, it's cooler when it's on the stage of this historic, tiny, disgusting, shitty, gross black room that my friends built. So we can all revel in how disgusting and gross oh, and it's tiny. It's quite clean, Nathaniel. I'm just kidding.
2: Fuck off. I'm,
4: not, I'm just we kidding. We pay a it's lot of dust. money to keep that place clean. It looks wonderful. Yeah. I'm being facetious. Uh, it you smells way better than dust. there uh, I mean, it's so dark. Did you? I don't think so. The
3: no. black toilets. Uh, you can't
1: see what's going on. In the Tom stop. all. All, all the, the roaches crazy. have keyboards. and are playing Dungeons & plane. do on everything. There's nothing I'm bad sure. in St. Vitus.
4: Now being I'm facetious, about I need on the floor.
2: If there's one um, thing, it's fucking clean, man. <laughs> bar is is like. Of it. No, it is. It is,
4: man. I, you know, I've I've shit in the Mars bars bathroom before. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: that's that's a local. Local custom, right there. That not not, not too many custom. people will know. Will know. Will know what that
4: is. <laughs> hey man, it's either that or shit in the street. Um, uh-huh. But like that, providing that stage for everyone. Um, you don't think about that when you're at a show. Is this person going to die? No. Right. But everybody does. So like the fact that I was able to capture so many souls and then put them in a book. Uh, for other people to enjoy is an honor. Um on top of being able to like do that with people who I appreciate for making that place happen in general. It's
2: fucking beautiful, dude. That's beautiful. Yeah. And, and Let's and talk to about me, a good it, thing. To I want to talk, like 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 talk a... about a fun thing. Let's talk <laughs> uh, about when Refuse played with primitive weapons opening. Dave, remember uh, this? Uh, Let's uh, talk sure about when Refuse do, babe no weird, very Even I would, boots. I'm, all right i'm gonna go out on a limb i'm gonna say that that refused show was cooler than nirvana show wow i, cool.
4: this is I wasn't,
2: I this wasn't is at nirvana so why. so i mean well no nirvana's in the book by the book please it's six pages oh, yeah, there's Eight tons pages, of nirvana dude. Tons so much nirvana no no dave Grohl quote we tried but you know dave's busy um the the uh fucking
4: you mean D- dave's people are busy
2: refuse just got up on our gear and then proceeded to play the second show for the night and all they did was fucking covers except for new hey. noise like their new single and it mm-hmm. was they did judas Priest, they did her- it, dude yeah. it was fucking amazing it dude, was
3: like fairies wear boots. Awesome. Fairies dude, wear boots. Stole the shit, dude. Besides the
2: descendants, I will say that, that I've I've rarely seen a crowd have that much fucking fun at a show that's supposed to be all serious and um communist and uh fuck capitalism. Right. No, fuck that. It was that's fucking
1: awesome. The best cover band on earth Dude, them. they were nah, great. Yeah. They were great. That was did Dennis wear the was, suit, or did he go like normal? Oh, no, no, he no. had
3: he had a he had no he had like a, a like a suit jacket and like a little polka dot he, number on. He, he looked great. He looked fabulous. He, he, I mean, those guys can't good. look fabulous. I mean, Not I look fabulous, good. rather, they yeah, could be he, hit in the head with a hammer and they would look in, fucking incredible. He's an icon, you know? <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely. Dude, that, that night, that night, I had a conversation with Dennis because D- Dave actually dro- br- dragged me downstairs because there was a Mind Over Matter sticker on the wall, and like Dave was. It's like no, dude. Fucking Dennis has said something about your about the Modern Matter sticker downs. You should, you know, whatever. He has your records. And I had met those guys in 1994 in Sweden.
1: Amazing.
2: And in uh, pitia and and like we, you know, we, you know, how I don't know if you've ever played up there, yeah. Tom. At, at, uh, but you know, it's it's a far drive to get up to Umi and Pitya. Yeah. So so you know this is like fucking crazy. You know, like we were just stupid little kids. Can't imagine you're in bands, You know, you're I mean, there. I was I was twenty one at the time, but like John was like sixteen, whatever. But, <laughs> so we were up there and we we played with uh, the Donuts. Yeah, the Donuts opened for us, the Victory, band, the all girl straight edge band. Course, yeah, yeah. And so we were like, you know, we're drinking, and hanging. Out. The venue was fifteen hundred cap. Our record wasn't even released there. Like oh, nobody shit. knew who the fuck we are. Five hundred kids show up. Right they're going nuts. Like youth of today's on fucking stage, or like indecision, <laughs> right. you know? And like, and, and like, they're, they're like fake and every word. Like, they're like, you know, George is just like, well, I, I don't know what the fuck you're saying. It was, it amazing. was hysterical. Amazing. And, but before the show, like we're all, we're all drinking, you know, whatever. And we go backstage and like, they wouldn't talk to us. The so refused was there. Right. And you know, this is 94 when they were like a sick of it all cover band at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, and, and straight and, edge we're trying to like talk to everybody and Dennis wouldn't talk to us. And, and you know, it was years later that it was like, Holy shit, this band is like awesome. And like, you know, whatever. Right. Uh, so De- so Dave came up and got me and I came downstairs and I was talking to Dennis and I was like, he's like, he's like, yeah, man, I have all your, I have all your records. Like, you know, like, he's like, uh, you, you guys played him in- I was like, yeah, we played in fucking PTA and you assholes wouldn't talk to us. <laughs> and he's like, he's like He's like, well, you know, maybe we were a little shy because our English wasn't good. I was like, your English wasn't good. Go fuck yourself. Is better than like, most there's English no way.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> totally. Totally. And, and like, you know, at that point, we had been in Sweden for like six days or something. We knew, we knew something was up. But he swore to God, he's like, No, no, I, I fucking love your band. I was like, he's like, I totally remember that show. And I was like, dude, that show was fucking weird. Like the whole thing was fucking weird. Yeah. But it was awesome. And dude, they were just like. You know, and I'm uh, I'm not starstruck by Dennis, but I think that he's one of the fucking coolest, most iconic people from that 90s, like 30 years, yeah, into the 2000s. I like, you know, I just there was change the game. I had a moment. I had a moment when Mysthetics played at the bar, oh, wow. and so Brendan Canty and, and, and Joe Lally were there. Man. And you know, I I actually booked the show. I got I got an email from Brendan Canty. He's like. like Hey, man, we want to play. And it was like with this new band. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, and like, well, he was he was like Vallejo, we have an opener, you know. blah, blah, right. So they played the show and I was hanging out with them backstage. And I, I, dude, I couldn't, I couldn't get over it. Like I'm just sitting there like, right. yeah, man, cool. And like, you know, they're making jokes about getting Fugazi back together. Like Brandon, Brandon was like, he's like, yeah, man. Uh, you know, my daughter always says, why don't you get uncle Ian? to get the band back together so you can pay for my college. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Amazing. I don't know how it would be. It was fucking awesome. You know, like, but that's, these are many things that are covered in the book, little anecdotes, wonderful little stories. People should, Go and buy it because we, you know, I mean it's, well, collect- it's difficult to have these experiences yeah. because these people that I'm talking about are very open and around all the time. So, you know, they're not rock stars.
4: Yeah. Tom, yeah. you yeah, you asked a question about walking through the crowd. And one of the the questions that I asked every person I interviewed was give me your thoughts on walking through that crowd. And I think they're sorted answers. Uh, sure. Some people are really into it, and some people aren't. But I think the great thing about what Vitus has been able to accomplish is making an even playing field for band and fan. Where if you have an ego, it's going to be fucking destroyed by playing at that place, right? Because like, you can't have an ego. <laughs> so you um, have to walk fans, by, and just
1: sweat it on by the some fans. Are, Your band,
4: the fans aren't going to let you have an ego. But the general consensus is, is people like it because every band played a stage at that point, at some point before they, they moved on. And I I think that especially for a lot of the underplays, people were like, man, it reminded me of X, Y, and Z. They missed that. Even Dave, even Dave Mustaine who had like choice words, but those choice words were nostalgic for at least I think remembering where he came from um to quote or kind of paraphrase uh phil anselmo who regardless of how you feel about him uh was like you know we call it like the vita shuffle or the vita or whatever phil. or whatever uh whatever he referred to it as as like every fucking motherfucker has to walk through that crowd to get to that stage right and that is like right. a humbling experience no matter
2: who oh, you are
3: every motherfucker's gotta uh,
2: walk through that crowd come yeah, on go and on, go And, on, go and go. you
3: know the, the thing about it though is that <laughs> it also it, it levels the playing field yeah, in a way where there's um it, it's also like sonically too you know it's like mm-hmm. it's the same size stage same everything and like you're not gonna even if you try to a degree like there's only so much in there so the production is sort of going to be what it is To a degree, so like you, 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 you better, you better fucking bring it, you know, because there's some young band that just played that just fucking destroyed the place too, you know. This ain't like the fucking old timers bar at all, you know. Like all of the bands that came up through it and continue to like, we got, you know, I got, we got Rob Brigade playing in in two weeks, and they're gonna fucking blow the place to bits. No, whomever so whomever is there is is going to have to bring it to that level and like feel, at every time like,
2: i feel like that was very much like why primitive weapons like we got the best practice ever being able to play mm. there and it what was funny is that anytime we go on tour though we do a small t- club tour like it would be like oh my god every place else sucks <laughs> no yeah
1: because you guys Man. created a space for musicians by musicians
2: mm. which goes
1: a long yeah. way like you know what like you know, you know what it's like to be at a show and be like i have nowhere to fucking just sit and fucking just hang out with my friends or i have nowhere you know like you know what you've seen in other places that you're like this sucks i don't i would never want to put someone else through this so you mm. created like there's bands bands you created like the band's venue right and that was arty's intention pretty much
3: because like we want it to be good for both participants right the bands and the fans and then and then it and then it works right because if you're up there and you're you're sounding great you feel you're giving like everything's working you're giving and then hopefully they're giving back and that's the exchange right that's the intensity of like the the experience it's not about like speakers and shit all the time or whatever you know it's about that exchange
2: yeah, yeah. It, it it also it also like goes uh, to the uh when, like when people are really packed in there, you know, it's like you can complain about that, but that adds to the energy of everything. Right. right. You know, it's and like like, like, like if
1: there was stopped, like and it was like it's a fucking this is gonna be a thing yeah. that people talk about 10 years from now that they saw high viz at Vitus sweating to death. I hope so packed on top of the I hope yeah, this yeah, like,
2: becomes fucking huge. Yeah, that's that's right. uh, Dave and I Dave and I have talked about this fucking ad nauseum where it's like, you know, like we, when we have a band that we know, we know it's, it's going to be fucking big. And Dave is really good at this. I'm, I'm okay at it. Like the, the, you know, it's, it's like, go fucking go just go because it's good for everybody. It's good for music. It's good for the yeah. scene. It's good for you it you know it's good for like through management booking agent everybody it's just good for everything for everybody to get bigger to make the move you know and if we can be a stepping stone or the first thing you do fucking great that's right. you know like i i mean I, i'll be the farm club i'm cool with that you know like like but i want to be yeah you know but I you know if, like fucking, if, if if 10 years wanna down the line, AAA, you want i, I mean. want to be triple a with the million dollar signing so you know right.
3: <laughs> yeah yeah definitely but you <laughs> want to come back after we're, after you've eclipsed them like that too like we're here for that and what's kind of crazy is that now we're going to be around long like enough. long enough happen where they like like yo you go see death heaven a thousand people show up right like you go the- see russian circles they play warsaw like it's incredible to see um you know bands that have, have played and continue to just like kind of you know develop and, and do stuff like that and now it's, like, they're the ones who will, make, you know, one day be, like, more of, like, the the massive underplayer or something like that, which is, you know, if if we, we continue on our path to get, to, you know, to that point and, like, you know, doing the, the book and, and Nathaniel doing the book and bringing the idea and, like, and, and doing it that way, too. It just kind of reminds me of like all of that stuff, you know, like the Mesthetic show. I don't, I, I was like, Oh, right. They played like, there's a lot of things that have happened at the place and, and not no one person has been there for, for all of it. Sense. And it's, and that's, what's cool about this. It's like this collective memory that like goes into this, this book. And, and just you know the conversation starter you know the amount of people who come up to me and been like yo I was at that thing or whatever and i was like yeah. oh all right right i remember doing that or or i didn't do that at all somebody brought this in or whatever it's 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 incredible you know um and and that's one of like the 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 coolest things about you know this particular project too is to also sort of chart some of that stuff too you're like oh my god they played that long ago they do this now or that or oh hey maybe they broke up or whatever happened or maybe they you know all the different outcomes yeah. but that that's like a fun thing to just kind of like look through honestly
1: right to have it memorialized and you you know everyone's got a memory from some, one of those things I think it's a fucking great idea and I'm very excited to see the final product um what else we got I mean, do you want to just wrap it up. We'll give a little bit more. So it's, it's on the, it's on Kickstarter until
3: right. Uh, so, uh, I, I guess I'll, so I'll, I'll give, night. I'll give the, uh, the the final, we're, we're, we're going to wrap, wrap it up already. So, um, yeah, you can get the book on kickstarter.com until this coming Saturday. And then we're going to, Oh man, what, 20 seconds. Hold on one second. I'll be right back. <laughs>
1: I was already going to play. Is that? Where, is he? Come, is, is he grabbing his mic? We're going to get a primitive, primitive. Weapon. No, I was going to rock yeah. some fucking
2: indecision songs. Yeah. <laughs> come on, man! I've been having some fucking wreckage, rage. baby. That's well, it. Wreckage, wreckage,
1: I hear Dave's voice.
3: Yeah, sorry. There's been an issue with. Oh, he's got headphones my... on. Oh. Yeah, I got my headphones on, so that—that's what it is. I'm locked in. uh All right. I've been having you in, in Brooklyn, or is my...
1: You're in Wanamasa? I'm in Jersey. I'm
3: in uh, Neptune. I'm a Neptune City hardcore guy, now. All right? That's, that's get that straight. The dog. Eat Town <laughs> concrete. God, Dude, the I can walk to Pete and Elders. You know? like think You got to
1: walk off that pizza.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh, look. There's my dog, Angus.
1: Hey, say hi, Angie.
3: Um, all right. So the, 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 the book info. All right. So <clears throat> you can get the book at kickstarter.com. Uh, up until Saturday the 22nd and then from then on out whatever we have we're going to put it on sale for pre-order as soon as we can after that we're printing a thousand books we've already eclipsed I mean over 500 sold so you probably want to get your hands on it as soon as possible because that first edition is going to be very gone very soon so that's that about it. A
1: special edition like th- is that public knowledge Didn't you tell me there's some stuff yeah there's there's going variants there's uh,
3: there's, a, there's a couple of cover variants one of them sold out and has a beautiful picture by Nathaniel of the the front bar and the second variant is about halfway sold out like um, and it's got a picture of the stage in the back and then there's uh, some merch and a couple other things that you can buy bundle it up you know if you need a new Vitus like t-shirt or print Travis Edgity. Did a really beautiful design for it. And uh yeah, that's what we got going we, on. So
4: we also yeah. have the deluxe box set, which comes with oh, a box set.
3: Room. The box set. box, box.
4: last right's box full of um lots of tears and hair and all sorts <laughs> of things that we've collected from people over the years. Uh no, but it, it comes with a, a limited copy of the book. Um, we're gonna do a exclusive photo print of the inverted cross grill in the window uh, of the bar. The second most iconic image from from the place, besides that back wall. So, um, already's holding it up, but uh, you know, I I can describe it to you. Yeah, there's a window. There's a grill, not a grill that you can cook ribs or cheeseburgers on. But a grill that keeps out posers and other try who do not belong. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, everybody belongs. Um, it's a grill with inverted uh, inverted yeah, cross. anybody Anybody can of, come in. Um, duct tape. It's made out of duct tape, right? Or gaff tape. Um, yeah, it's duct, it, It's gaff tape. Uh,
2: you know, it's been there for twelve years. I
4: think one of the funniest things I've learned throughout the process of working at the bar and making this book is that
0: Mm.
4: nothing particularly happened for a reason. Everything just kind of happened and it happened for the reason that it was supposed to without any intent and that has snowballed into the success of whatever how how long suburban opened 45 years and we are celebrating a 10 year anniversary and the, the window was one of those things the 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 painting on the back wall of of Lawrence's logo but Carolyn Holland was one of those things all of these things just kind of happened without the any mannequin in the corner. corner the
2: mannequin in the corner gunter yeah. oh yeah place, I, I bought you know, that at the i bought that at the thing down the block and, the junk uh, oh, yeah. shop Fight, yeah i think i think to,
3: i think to uh to Nathaniel's point i think it was just because everybody kind of knew what the intent was and then all this stuff happened around it and 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 all of it just kind of like it just it, it just kind of carried on itself and it was like yeah that's cool that's fine yeah let's do the Mac. and like no one was ever like really policing it too hard it just it just worked. You knew it when you saw it, you're like, yeah, let's keep doing that. Let's do that. <laughs> and it just kept going